Welcome to the Thrive Women's Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening today. And we know that some of you right now may be thinking about getting kids back to school. Maybe you're going back to work uh, as a teacher or something like that. Um, And some of you may have some last minute summer trips to squeeze in, but uh, we hope you are doing well. In whatever of those things you're doing today, Lisa, how are you? It's almost the middle of August. Can you believe it? Summer is flying by. Yeah, no, I'm doing good. I was just kind of looking back in my little day timer here and looking at just some of the the great connections I've been able to have over the summer with friends that I haven't seen in a long time, pre, pre-COVID and and just people that have been in my life for a long time and a lot of re- reconnecting, a lot of reunions, a lot of yeah. just catching up. And that has been such a, a gift to have. You know, it's a little different pace and rhythm during the summer where we yeah. work. And so it's been fun to be spontaneous and have some fun. And so far this summer's it's been working well. So feel really great in that way. <laughs> yeah, a little... A little bit of a different summer than a year ago, huh? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, a year ago, my husband and I had COVID and we were on lockdown for a month and isolation and it was mm-hmm. pretty, pretty sad, but not this summer. We're getting out and about yeah. while we can. <laughs> you got a lot of time to make up. That's for sure. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Well, I don't know. I mean, if you have traveled this summer, it's very obvious that everyone is out and about everyone's getting those trips in. Yeah. I had no idea that Best Western had Ritz Carlton prices until I tried to book (laughs) book one. So everyone's traveling and staying in hotels and you can't get a camp campsite. It's nice to see. It's nice to see people having some downtime and some summer fun. Yeah, absolutely. Well, enjoy the Best Western, I guess, (laughs) if you can get a room. (laughs) Well, hey, this month we um, are kind of going back and bringing back some conversations that we had um, that we think are still really good to hear. I mean, actually, we think all of the conversations that we've had are worth taking a listen to. Um, But some of these stood out in our mind, mostly because of the topics that we covered. Um, As we continue to walk through our world reopening this summer and what that looks like, there's so many new things, but there are still some reminders and some truths that we think are important to keep in front of us as we um, kind of face what's happening in our culture and our world. And so today we're really excited to bring one of those conversations back uh, into play. Lisa, do you want to introduce what we're talking about today? Yeah, so this conversation was with one of our smartest friends, Dina Davidson. Angie and I have the blessing of working alongside her and her husband, Shane, who are pastors at Bayside and lead our Thrive School. But she goes uh, deep into the question of what is truth and, and what does it mean for us in light of the direction that our culture is moving? And she just brings it, Angie. She's gonna She shares powerful truths about understanding the culture that we are called to be ambassadors in. And how do we as believers unpack some of those tougher conversations in a way that's healthy and respectful 
and um, and stand apart, set ourselves apart as God has called us to do, but with love and, and grace, but also maintaining, um, you know, our convictions of biblical truth. So it was yeah. fantastic. In fact, you were saying earlier that, I mean, t- <laughs> tell our friends what you were saying. Yeah. I, when we were getting ready to record, I just said, oh my gosh, you know what I remember about this day with Dina is, you know, you're always, you're trying to remember what the next question is and kind of how to move the conversation forward and make sure we don't miss anything. And I just remember being so locked into what she was saying and taking it in for myself that I would get, I got a little lost and like forgot, wait, what's the next question? What do we need to do next? So this was really. Those long pauses are just Angie trying to figure out her next question. (laughs) (laughs) Which isn't like anything super new, but I vividly remember that that day. I think just because what she was saying. Oh, you know, we're all navigating these places of disagreement and trying to voice our opinion or trying to stand up for truth um, and figuring out how you do that well and respectfully. And so I, yeah, this conversation meant a lot to me. So hopefully there's not too many awkward pauses, but we hope that you enjoy this conversation. Um, Get ready. It's, it's deep and she brings a lot of truth to help us today. So here's our conversation with Dina. Today, we have a big treat for you guys. And we probably say that every week, but we're just so excited about our friends that are saying yes and coming on the podcast. But we have Dina Davidson with us today. Welcome, Dina. Thank you, Angie. Thank you, Lisa. So glad you're here. Oh my goodness. I know. So those of you listening, if you've had the pleasure of meeting Dina, you already know how wonderful she is. If not, let me tell you a little bit about our friend. She is <laughs> um, a pastor at Bayside. She's the discipleship director for our Thrive School, which you will hear more about in a little bit. Thrive School is our program for young raising up young leaders. That's really exciting. She has her Master's of Apologetics from Biola which wow. means you've mastered apologizing. That's right. Well, no. Yeah, I thought <laughs> you were saying kidding. mastering apologetics. You got me there. I got you. Yes, I'm really good at saying sorry. Yeah. Really good. <laughs> no, but I mean, we've worked together on a couple of apologetics conferences. There is a deep well of knowledge in you, and I've learned so much from you. But you're just a wonderful, steady, wise, hilarious, uh, warm, and awesome lady. So we're glad you're here. Thank you. I feel like I got what I needed out of today. So Okay, great. Thanks for all those compliments. (laughs) Yeah. That really filled my bucket. Well, that's kind of the official bio, but tell us a little bit about just the real bio. Like real real life Dina, what it looks Mm. like in your everyday with your family and and ministry and just showing up to the places God's called you to. So I'm married to my best friend, really mean that. And uh, his name's Shane. We lead Thrive School together. And we have a two-year-old that we just potty trained this weekend. So that was awesome. How did that go? She made me cry twice um, because, you know, of emotional manipulation that exists at two years old. Um, But she, she crushed it. And I think, I think we're on our way. I'll tell you like in a week how it's going, but we seem to be understanding the concept and she did not um, tear Shane and I apart. So I think the family's strong. That's that's Dina in the real. That's what's happening literally right now. Dina, I've seen you in so many high stress situations. (laughs) I'm just picturing Riley getting in there. Pushing those oh buttons so much, she brought you to tears. Yes, it's, uh, it's amazing uh, what they can just do because your, you know, your heart.
heart is like wrapped around them. And yeah. then they're like, I hate you right now. And you're like, that really hurts. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I didn't know where you were going with this. A lot of moms cry over the milestones that their kids oh. make. So uh, first, nope. first I was like, wow, she's really taking this oh. seriously, this Good motherhood. Job, grieving the loss of having to put diapers on every day. Oh, but. yeah, such a loss. No, yeah. not, not so sad about that one. I mean, she's... Two and a half, so we're totally ready for it. But yeah, that emotional manipulation, it's a very real thing. Yep. And if you're listening to this one day, Riley, I, I, I do love you <laughs> and I'm really glad for you. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. So we have another question for you just to help people get to know you. So one thing that I know to be true about your family and your sisters particularly is that you guys are a very musical <laughs> theater Think Von um, Trapp. Yeah, but like oh, so quality at right. the arts. Like I don't know any kid in your family that doesn't have like the skill that you're like, wow, so great. Anyway, so if you were to describe your life as a musical. Okay. Um, which musical would it be? Mm. Okay, our family loves musicals. So yeah. this is a great question I know, for I me. was really kind of cheating because yeah. I know that. You know what? It would be Fiddler on the Roof. <gasps> okay, all um, right. I think the reason why is because of what you said, the sisters. So I have yeah. two sisters, and so I totally relate to that. Um, but also tradition and wanting to honor my father are huge in my life and is just how do you do what you want to do? And, you know, in my terms, what God's called me to do while still honoring tradition and honoring um, my family, like that has been a huge thing that God has had to teach me. So wow. that got really spiritual. You just took that spiritually. I was like, on the roof, matchmaker, matchmaker, make me a match. Like, <laughs> so good. Oh, I was, was going to say, is Barbara Streisand in that? But she's, no. in, she's, in, she's in Yentl. She, are you thinking Yenta? Oh, this boy. Is, this has gone so far. Right. <laughs> so when we're done recording, <laughs> Dina's going to have a musical moment <laughs> with Lisa and describe yes. Fiddler on the Roof. No, I have seen that. I just can't remember the actors. <laughs> That's okay. That's I'm horrible with actors' names. That's a good story, Hedda, though. Hoddle, Golda, but none I of the actors. So good. So good. I love that. Honoring <laughs> tradition in your family. That's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, well... You spent a lot of time raising up young leaders. What are some theological trends that you are seeing right now in how they view culture and the church? I think you can share a lot of insight right into in. statistics <laughs> so that we're reading good. that are being produced weekly, it seems. Sure. Well, I, I feel like when I read studies about the next generation, it's all bad news. <laughs> like, and there will be no church mm -hmm. in 30 years. But what I'm seeing is there may be less 18 to 25 year olds that love Jesus, but the ones that love Jesus, they love him so deeply. And they understand the sacrifice that they're making by being a Christian. Um, so that would be like on the positive is I see some incredibly devoted to Jesus people. Yeah. And they, they don't need to be taught about sin. They don't need to be taught about brokenness. I'd say 10 years ago, our, our Thrive School students, they didn't understand what it meant that they were a sinful human being. Like that was an offensive idea. But fast forward 10 years, these students know about brokenness. They've been witnessing it since they were young. They've, they've had friends who were texting them saying, I have suicidal thoughts. And they've seen families torn apart and worlds torn apart. Mm -hmm. And then they have their own sin and their own shame. So I think they're really aware of their own mm -hmm. brokenness. Not, I would say is a positive. On the negative side, I think their view of truth is really um, 
it's broken. Right. They do not have an idea of, of truth with a capital T. So they'll sit and they'll listen to a message. They'll listen to a podcast. They'll read the Bible and they'll just add that to a file. It won't correct anything mm. else in the file. It's just like, oh yeah, I've got that. I've got that. I've got that. And they can hold two completely contradictory opinions in their brains at the same time, which is it's just really disturbing, to be honest. Wow. And they don't even know that they're capable of doing that. But it is causing them a bunch of anxiety, a bunch of depression, and causing them to really distrust everything that they see. So that's like the really good thing. They understand brokenness, but they don't have an a good view of truth to be able to help correct that brokenness. So do you it's mostly despairing. Do you yeah. see that, that truth is transforming? I mean, truth should, Romans 12, transform their minds, right? Mm-hmm. As they renew their minds in truth. Do you think that's being disrupted because they're, they're allowing other sources that are not biblical to infiltrate yeah. that? I mean... I mean, this is... It, it's taking me such a long time to even analyze this, Lisa, I'm still just, I'm not even quite to the point where I can fully explain it. But what I see is that rather than it being transformative, it's more filtered. It's more filtered than anything. It passes through this, oh, that's your truth. That's your opinion. This might be wrong. This is different from what other people believe. I have to keep this to myself. It passes through this filter where by the time it reaches their heart and their mind, a lot of its transformative power is just gone because mm. it's been watered down and it's been filtered too right. many times. Wow, that's powerful. And I'm not mm. saying, because I've seen this happen over and over again, God, God is bigger than that. Absolutely. And even when it passes through those filters, sometimes it it sinks into their heart in a way that still does continue to transform them. But I think we are, like gone are the days where you can sit a student in a room, put a powerful preacher in front of them, preach a great sermon and have them walk out and have their lives transformed because they need something more. They need someone to sit with them and actually unpack that truth and say, based on that truth, the way you're living now has to change. Like that's a conversation that needs to be had. And and there's a whole pastoral side to that. But I mean, it's just not enough to say it to them anymore because they don't have the ability to go into a room by themselves and think it through and figure out how to change themselves based on that truth. So, yeah. Scary stuff. Sobering, yeah. (laughs) No, for sure. Uh, As you were talking about that, I was thinking back to one of the highlights this past week for me was um, on Wednesday night, we had a baptism, outdoor baptism service. And just, it's been kind of a while, at least in our church's life. Um, when we've been able to do that. And the majority of the people being baptized were students. And I was like, oh my gosh. It just filled my cup the way, I don't know, it filled me up. It was so encouraging Mm -hmm. to see. And um, I just thought what an interesting season, like you just saying that, like with some of the things that have been stripped away from us ministry-wise in terms of like kind of the flashy ministry Mm -hmm. or let me put programs. Yeah. This slick program in front of you, whatever it's back to basics right now. And I know at least for us, um, in our church context, like home small groups are more well attended than they've ever been in any season. And so I just, I was like, Oh, I'm encouraged by that. Even hearing what you're saying, like for our students to have these, um, 
yeah, life-on-life relationships are walking through it. And then if they get to go to Thrive School and yeah. be discipled by you, it's just, but um, yeah, it's, it's so interesting how mm-hmm. it's changing generationally. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of filters, um, we kind of, thinking about your life and you've studied apologetics, you've been watching culture, you've been living your own life and discerning what God's calling you to. What are some like boundaries or filters that you've put into practice in your own life to help you approach culture? And what's happening around you with that biblical perspective? Okay, are you saying filters like what I allow in or what I allow out? Speak to both. Okay. I mean, I just, I'm thinking like we all live, we're smack dab in the middle of this culture Mm -hmm. and um, cultural realities and pressures and anxieties and... Information (laughs) overload too, just all the different... like you said, you're trying to live with truth, capital Mm -hmm. T. Yeah. Like Dina, how do you do that? (laughs) And you've studied this academically Mm -hmm. too. So I don't know, what wisdom would you... Yeah, well, I... I think, first of all, you have to understand that we are ambassadors to our culture. Mm. And if you take on that role that the Bible describes to us, that we're we're not people who belong to this culture. We don't belong to this kingdom. We don't belong. Um, and we're not Americans primarily. We're not Westerners. Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. I know, just... I know. But according to the Bible. Right yes. No, it's great. Keep going. We, we aren't. Like our citizenship is in heaven, which means that God has placed us on this earth. He doesn't you know, take us to heaven as soon as we're saved because he has a mission for us. And I have to understand that this is not my culture and I should not understand it. I should not relate to it. I should feel like an alien here on earth. And if you're listening and you're thinking like, I feel like I belong, <laughs> um, you need to immerse yourself in scripture more because you're not meant to belong. You're, you're meant to not belong. You're, mm. you're meant to have your citizenship in heaven. Mm. So because of that, that helps me every moment that I'm walking and I, I you know, I have an encounter. I see something on TV that I'm just like, that, I just don't fit with that. Mm. It's encouraging to me because I know that's how I should feel. Mm. So I think, first of all, I, I have to understand my role. I'm an ambassador. And because I'm an ambassador, I've been entrusted with the truth of God's word, the gospel, the good news that people have a savior, a God that loves them. Because I've been trusted with that message, I need to now take it upon myself to understand the culture that I'm living in. And so I I would just say a huge practice for me is I listen to podcasts and I read books that help me to decode culture. Like my favorite Mm. one, I'm listening to it right now, is This Cultural Moment. It's a podcast by John Mark Comer and I think Mark Sayers. I'm terrible with names. Yeah, he's great. two, Two brilliant pastors and... I literally, as I'm getting ready in the morning, I will listen to them explain my everyday experience of what it's like to be a Christian following Christ in a culture that sometimes I relate to, but mostly do not. So I'd say that's a huge practice, understanding you're an ambassador and then having a heart to study and understand the way people think, what they're motivated by, what they value. And then I think the third step, the the output is, is actually taking Jesus to my culture and saying, you know what? It's not about what I think. It's not about my opinion. And it is for sure not about my preference. Mm -hmm. It is about what will actually help the people around me to know Jesus better. And that's the basis 
on which I think we should all be posting. Will this post help the person who is following me who does not know Christ know Jesus better? Or will it confuse them? Will it distort Jesus Christ to them? Are they going to see me more than they see Christ? I mean, I, I apply that filter to my posts. I apply that filter to what I preach from the stage. And mm-hmm. I'm sure there's a thousand other um, applications of it, but I, I think that's just huge. Like, will this actually help the people around me to see Jesus? Because if it won't, mm-hmm. then and go share it with a friend who's a Christian and, and keep it away from everyone else. Yeah. Like, they need to see Jesus. Have you had any um, just cultural, like, light bulb moments or just— things you've thought of like this, these last six months, walking through pandemic mm-hmm. <laughs> in our world yeah. and how are, you know, how are you, how have you been an ambassador mm-hmm. in that situation? Yeah. I don't know. Well, I, I believe a slightly different narrative than the average, I'd say, evangelical Christian who believes that American America is a Christian nation. Mm. And now, look, I grew up reading The Light and Glory, and I grew up with this narrative that America was founded by Christians, and it has always followed God, and we're the blessed nation. And I think there are elements of truth. I think Mm -hmm. that um, some of the people that founded this nation were devoted followers of Jesus Christ, and you can feel their influence in the Mm -hmm. way that our culture and our government is set up. I think other people throughout the history of our nation have not been Christ followers, and Mm -hmm. they've set up structures and systems and policies that are not Christ-honoring. And so I have a little bit of a different perspective, I would say. So bringing it back to your question, I— I look for how my culture is, and then I try to bring the opposite. Yeah. Because most of the people I meet are not Christians, not as Christ defined it. Mm-hmm. Like if we look at any of the data, most of America is not following Christ. Mm-hmm. So if most of America is not following Christ, I'm going to try to go do the opposite of what most of America is doing. So if everyone is enraged, I'm going to try to be loving. If everyone is anxious, I'm going to try to bring peace. Yeah. I'm just literally going to search the scriptures and say, Jesus, what is the opposite of what I'm swimming in right now? Because I need to bring your corrective um, morality, your corrective peace, your corrective truth to this culture that I'm swimming in because it sorely needs you. Mm-hmm. And if I bring what everyone else is bringing, if I'm just matching people post for post and shot for shot and protest for protest right. on either side, then I am just completely missing an opportunity mm-hmm. to bring the counterculture that is Christianity, that is Christ. Mm-hmm. So I just try to bring the opposite, literally, right, right. of whatever other people are showing up with. Right, right. You was so interesting about that too. Often I feel like that's what we crave in those moments. Mm-hmm. Like as we sit in these weeks and months where you're like, what is happening around me? You know, that still quiet voice in us. It's like, I just, I'm looking for the place of peace. I'm looking for the place right. of hope. I'm looking for the joy. And that's right. yeah, that's just a great reminder. Sometimes you are... That's what you're called to bring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
One of the things I've been thinking a lot about is we're also called to bring truth and grace to our conversations. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, you know, there's extremists out there. There's all truth (laughs) and that's been ineffective and there's been all grace and Mm -hmm. that's certainly ineffective too. What have you found just through your, your, um, your academic study, but also your personal life and even with this younger generation has been a way to, to hold both those tensions well that's effective mm. to life change, to mm. transformation, to to being, to to raising up people that are going to represent the gospel mm-hmm. authentically to people. Because that's ultimately what people need to see right now. Right. Not what feels good. Yeah. What works for you, works for me. Like do, do whatever, mm-hmm. you know, I accept you, yeah. you accept me. The Bible, when you really get into scripture, mm-hmm. I mean, it's radical. Mm-hmm. Hmm. It is radical. It's disruptive. It's not comfortable. That's right. Amen, Lisa. So take us there. (laughs) Just like, go off of that. (laughs) If I can just riff off of something you're saying Mm -hmm. is, uh, you know, speaking to the people that I lead, the 18 to 25-year-olds, rebel against the right things. Rebel against what actually brings injustice. Rebel against what actually... Uh, leads people to places of depression and sickness. And don't simply believe what everyone in your culture is saying is leading to injustice and is leading to depression and is leading to anxiety. Take it to the word of God and ask him, what do you have to say about that? Mm -hmm. Because it's only from that source of truth that you're gonna be able to rise above what your culture is offering and offer something beautiful to the world, a place of justice, a place of beauty, a place of truth, a place of peace. Hmm. That's just a little side. Rebel against the right thing. Beautiful. Beautiful. Put those t-shirts, I love it. Thank you. Christianity is deeply rebellious, but we have to make sure that it's a God-born rebellion against the powers of darkness and the powers of injustice. So That's good. What was your question other than that? Because I just got so fascinated by that last part of what you said that I just wanted to- I think just being bolder in how, Mm, how how do we, like I think of community and biblical community, like let's go there for one another. Like we don't have time Mm -hmm. to dance around and wait for Mm -hmm. you to get here and you to get there. We need to be willing to, oh, yeah. because we love re- our relationships to say hard things, yes. but in a way that yeah. works. The first thing that I do is I make sure there's um, mutual respect and safety in a conversation. If there is not safety and respect, then people are literally incapable of hearing in a healthy way. Your words will only harm if there's no safety and no respect. Mm. So if a person feels like they're not safe with you, like maybe they're gonna lose the relationship if they say the wrong thing or you're gonna physically lash out or there's gonna be bad consequences, they're not gonna have a hard conversation with you. Also, if they feel like you don't respect them as an intellectual equal, as as a social equal, then they don't wanna have that conversation with you. If you offer people safety and respect, I'm a big believer that you can say almost anything. You can get it wrong, you can mess it up, and the way I know this is because I have. (laughs) I frequently have to apologize. Being a truth person, Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I am having conversations all the time, Lisa, where I am telling people, this is the sin I see in you. Wow. And yeah, sometimes 
they, sometimes I'm wrong. <laughs> and sometimes I'm right and they weren't ready to hear it. Sometimes I said it in the wrong way, but I've seen relationship after relationship when I offer people safety and respect, it lives through my mistakes. So if there's a parent listening there and you're like, I do not know to ha- how to have this conversation with my daughter who disagrees with me about this aspect of Christianity, yeah. I'd say offer safety I'm a safe place for you. Nothing is ever going to make me quit this relationship. Mm -hmm. Nothing is ever going to make me walk away from you. I love you unconditionally. That's safety. Then there's respect. I'm going to listen to you. When you disagree and you start telling me the things that are the exact opposite of how I raised you, I will listen because I respect you. Mm -hmm. I will give you the space to say what you need to say. And then I'm also going to ask that you give me safety and you give me respect. That's good. And... You know, if those two Mm. things are present, you literally can say almost anything, even if you say it in the wrong way, and it's going to be okay. But you take those two things away, and it doesn't matter how nicely you say it, how grace-filled that truth was. It doesn't matter how truthy it was. It's just not going to work. And it definitely won't transform, like Mm. you were talking about, that transformative power of truth. Yeah, that's good. Really good. Wow. Thanks for bringing that even to our parents listening. Mm -hmm. I think this is a real tension right now with uh, teenagers and and older Mm -hmm. navigating this world and faith, uh, letting their kids take that journey. Mm -hmm. And how do you come alongside them while they do that and still speak truth and grace? Because you have that relationship, but it's tricky. It's tricky. Yeah, I think it's interesting too how we've kind of lost the art of being able to disagree, but respectfully Mm -hmm. disagree. Mm -hmm. It's like if someone doesn't agree with you now, they're just wrong. Yeah. (laughs) Like, uh. (laughs) But you know what's crazy is I I feel like when I get in a room with someone, and I think it's really important Mm -hmm. if you can, to get face-to-face with someone for a hard conversation. Yeah. I mean, I have had... I mean, those don't happen best over text. (laughs) They don't happen best over text. I have sat down with my friend and let's just say we voted for different people in the election. Sure. Because that's what happened. Yeah. (laughs) And um, who I voted for dramatically made her life worse in a thousand ways. Mm. And I sat down with her and we offered each other safety and respect. And I said like, hey, you are my friend that thinks differently. And I want to know how you think. And I'm going to be honest with you about who I voted for, why I did it. And I'm going to give you the opportunity to change my mind. But also I'm going to be honest that you might not. Are you willing to have this conversation? And she did. And man, my... Uh, my views haven't changed. Who I voted for wouldn't change, but how I view humanity, how I view this world, it has changed. So I think we got to give people credit that if we're willing to do the hard work of offering safety and respect and getting in the room with people, I think people will rise to that bar. We're just, we're not being given an invitation to mature conversations. Right. And if I can go on a side tangent, it actually makes sense because we've lost confidence in capital T truth in our culture. Mm. And when we do that, all that remains is either violence or volume. Like if we can't agree that through conversation, I can actually change your ideas, then literally all we have is I can either force you, compel you through physical force, maybe throw you in jail or Mm. something else to believe what I believe, or I can drown you out with the sound of my voice. 
And that's literally what we saw in our debate is there is no more an agreement that conversation will lead to truth. That we can actually change people's minds. So all we have is volume. And so we have to keep shouting louder and louder. And that's what's happening on social media. And it's just so discouraging, but I think there's a different way. It's an ancient way. It's not so ancient, maybe like 40 years ago (laughs) when people actually believe there is a truth with a capital T and we can get to that truth by sharing our ideas with one another. Okay, say that again. When you don't believe in capital T truth, you're left with volume or violence. That's right. When truth dies, all you're left with is violence and volume. And if that is not a description of our society today, I don't know what it is. And it, it is heartbreaking. But what is amazing is we, as Christians, we have access to capital T truth. Mm-hmm. Now, in the past, unfortunately, sometimes Christians used capital T truth to try to, try to whip people into shape. Right, right. And they used it to compel people to the truth. But Jesus Christ himself doesn't compel people to believe the truth. What are we doing? Right. <laughs> like, we have to usher an invitation for people to believe the truth. One of my favorite things to do is, is just to say when, when a, a Thrive School student is disagreeing with me, say, you know what? God has given us the privilege of finding out the truth for ourselves. He's given you the privilege to believe what you want to believe. Nothing I can say can change what you believe. Mm-hmm. He's also given us His Word. And he's given you the ability to read that word, his Bible, as well as I can read it. So why don't you go home and read the Bible and find some verses and I'll go home and I'll read the Bible and I'll remember this conversation and I'll read it with that in mind. And let's come back together and let's not talk about our our ideas. Let's right. talk about what God says. And I think that idea that I can, I can read what God says and some pastor, some priest doesn't have to decode it for me. Right. Whoa. I know. What a powerful idea. I mean, that that is a rebellious idea. Mm-hmm. Love that. Wow. So when we, you know, before gaining this conversation, thought of questions to ask you, I'm just kind of laughing because we're like, we've covered like the things we wanted to say, but I think what I want to ask is like, okay, what's the opportunity for us now? Mm. Like moving forward, I think you have, I mean, please write a book or something. <laughs> like you're just the way... Um, you're helping us step back and see this literal cultural moment we're living day by day right now, which is probably the craziest of our lives that we've experienced in volume and violence and lack of truth. What's the opportunity for us, even looking at the next month? (laughs) So Ange, you are like one of my favorite people for many reasons. One of those reasons is you let me interview Annie F. Downs. Um, for the so you podcast. have been on the Thrive Women's Podcast. It's true. I forgot. Uh, yes. I will never. I got this text from Angie and she's like, would you like to interview Annie F. Downs? I said, oh my gosh. Yes. I am saving this text for, for anyways, it doesn't matter. Well, the reality is, I'm like, I love Annie. I doubt she's listening, but <laughs> we love you, Annie. If we you love are, if you are so Annie. <laughs> oh my gosh. And I was like, oh man, I got to find someone that can do this right. <laughs> well, we did. I don't know if so I did fun. it right, but I cried at the end of what she shared. I cried as well. Me and too. I, and it's probably what you're too. about to say. I yeah, know what it is. Say. She said he mm. could have trusted yeah. anyone right. with this moment. Yeah. Yeah. He could have trusted anyone with COVID. He could have trusted anyone with the racial tensions. He could have trusted anyone with this election. He could have entrusted 
anyone with whatever beautiful surprises are yet to come in 2020. (laughs) But he chose us. And I have just, I have returned to that thought over and over again. He trusted me. And specifically, he trusted me with 60 Thrive School students this year. Yeah. He trusted me with this podcast opportunity. And, And for every single person listening, there is something that God has trusted you with. I don't know if it's a kid. I don't know if it's a coworker. I don't know if it's the opportunity to love and encourage someone in your community that feels completely isolated and unseen. I don't know what your opportunity is, but God has one for you. And I'd say our opportunity is to bring to the world whatever it is lacking. Mm -hmm. We are meant to be the salt of the earth a light, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. So wherever there is darkness, we have an opportunity to be the light. And I think that goes back to sharing that that truth. That's, that's what we're meant to do. We're meant to declare truth, but declare it in love. We're meant to be the salt of the earth, to preserve what is lost, to add something that is missing. And so I'd say, just go before God sometime today and ask Him the question, what is dark? How can I bring the light? what is missing? How can I add it in? Mm-hmm. And if you ask God those questions, you will begin to see His God-appointed opportunities for you to step up to the plate, do what you were born to do, you know, rise up for this moment that you have been called, mm-hmm. that you have been appointed, and be Jesus right here, right now, 2020, <laughs> worst of times, mm-hmm. Jesus in the flesh, in your community, in your home, in your church, in your voting booth. (laughs) Yes, let's go there. Amen. Because it's that time. That's a great word. That's a great challenge and opportunity to reimagine the rest of this year with that being the focus. I love that. Mm -hmm. What's missing? Bring it. What's dark? Be light there. Right. Oh, I have nothing else I would ask or say. (laughs) I need to process this conversation, but... (laughs) Um, thanks. Yeah, such a good reminder. And, um, you know, we every week we kind of come into these going, all right, God, open-handed, what would you bring? What would you have in this? Really challenge us. And I think God's really used you this week to speak some great reminders and deep truth. Thank you. You guys us. are two of the most amazing women. <laughs> and so I just feel honored to get to join in your conversation. Life is good. Life is great. <laughs>